Chapter Two of Bon Marie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susanna Mason. Bon Marie: A Tale of Normandy and Paris by Henry Greville, translated by Mary Neal Sherwood. Chapter Two: The Smuggler. The coast guard departed with a most uncertain step and caught at several posts as he went down the road, while John Baptiste marched steadily along towards his distant dwelling. Before going in, he looked at his boat, safely drawn up on the shore, spread his net out on the rocks to dry, and then, shutting the door behind him, went to bed without a light. "'Yes, my boys,' muttered old Beslin. "'Yes, you may hang around here as much as you please, but neither of you will have my daughter. Mademoiselle Beslin is a proud little piece. She's been well brought up, and neither of you are worthy of a girl of her beauty and education. She never said so, to be sure, for she is no chatterbox, but I know it all the same. But she is proud. Whew! Proud isn't the word.' She gets it from me. Her mother was above me in station, but she married me, nevertheless, and not for my money, but for my good looks. Why won't somebody marry Bonne Marie for her good looks? Her eyes are handsomer than mine ever were. Beslin went into the house, rubbing his hands cheerfully, and was soon sound asleep in the great bed, shut in by the red calico curtains. Beslin was in the habit of disappearing every afternoon at a certain time, and during the eighteen months since his daughter's return, she had learned to respect the mystery of his movements and never asked a question. In general, in places like La Hague, where old customs were still preserved, children continue to be respectful to their parents. The scenes of abandonment and brutality which are so often caused by a division of small property, or by the anticipation of it, are absolutely without example in the simple country, where the children are differential to the wishes and obedient to the commands of their parents. Bonne Marie, although raised by education far above the intellectual and moral level of old Beslin, was nevertheless a devoted and submissive daughter. Her hands, which had become wife and delicate in her ten years of boarding-school life, did not now shrink from any domestic task. The smuggler's home, so dreary and neglected during the absence of the daughter, who had left immediately after her mother's death, had regained the neat look which had once characterized it. White curtains hung over the only two windows of the house—soap, sand, and soda—had eradicated every spot, and the furniture shone like looking-glasses. "'It was not for such work as this that I sent you to boarding-school.' grumbled Beslin sometimes, when coming in unexpectedly he would find his daughter busy with these things. "'I beg your pardon, my dear father,' answered Bonne Marie gaily. "'Cleanliness and housekeeping were the first lessons taught me.' To this Beslin had no reply to make, but contented himself with admiring his daughter. "'I have done,' he said the day that Bonne Marie came back from school under the care of the good woman of the neighbourhood who had been sent to Cherbourg for her. "'I have done. I shall do no more smuggling.' "'How, then, will you live?' asked some of his associates. "'I have something put away,' he answered with a wink. "'And then, too, a pretty girl like mine won't be long in marrying, and my son-in-law can feed me.' This jest was the only reply that anyone could extort from him. And yet Beslin, born a smuggler as it were, for his father had been one before him, now appeared to have given up the illicit traffic. His imprudence was so great in regard to it that one day, when an employee of the government asked him his profession before giving him a certain license for which he had applied, Beslin quietly answered with a wink, "'Smuggler, sir, smuggler.' This jest proved a harmless one, as the employee who knew him well smiled and did not set down the illegal appellation, but substituted another. But people in Amonville and its vicinity asked each other seriously how on earth Beslin would live if he gave up smuggling, and the word live was used in its broadest sense for his restless spirit demanded excitement and adventure as much as his body did daily food. The house in which he lived was the sole property of which he was known to be possessed, and his house brought him no income. 
Beslin, however, disappeared every day, as we have said. I am going to walk, he would regularly call out to his daughter, and soon his robust form would be seen on the shore. Then he disappeared from view, and no one took the trouble to see where he went. End of chapter 2 Recording by Susanna Mason, 